He is risen. He is risen indeed. Nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, lived and died and rose again. He was miraculously born to a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He performed signs and miracles and wonders to demonstrate who he was. And he always did what was good and right and perfect. He fulfilled God's law. But he had conflict with the Jewish religious leaders because he didn't follow their rules and regulations, because he declared himself to be the Son of God, making himself equal with God. And when they realized that Jesus was a threat to them, they had him executed on a Roman cross. Jesus was crucified and died. He was buried in a tomb. He was guarded by soldiers. His followers believed that the end had come. The one they called Messiah was dead. They didn't know what to do or where to go. But on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus conquered death. Jesus defeated the grave. And all our hope is bound up in Jesus' resurrection from the dead. On Resurrection Sunday, we often talk about the events of the resurrection. This morning, we're talking about the results of the resurrection. Because Jesus rose from the dead, everyone whom he represents will rise from the dead as well. Because Jesus rose from the dead, everyone whom he represents has, in fact, risen. And if we are raised with Christ, we should live for him. That's the focus of our passage this morning. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. If you're using one of the church Bibles, you'll find this on page 984. Page 984. In the New Testament, we have the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we have the book of Acts, and then Romans, and the Corinthian letters, and then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Colossians, we're going to read all of verses 1 through 17 this morning just to see the direction Paul is going with his argument. But then we're going to set our focus on verses 1 through 4. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, 
meekness and patience. Verse 13, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord in Christ has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's word. Please bow your heads and your hearts with me as we pray. God, our Father, you are the sovereign Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, the one who's declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. And in your sovereign majesty and your, in your divine decree, you called your own son to come to earth for sinners and to live the perfect life of righteousness that we were unable to live and to die the death that we deserve to die. And then as we especially celebrate today, to rise from the dead, to conquer death, to conquer sin, to conquer all his foes. And so Lord, we gather today to worship you. We gather to praise your name for your glory, for your majesty, for your splendor, for your grace, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. That you would look at people like us, who are unworthy and unlovable and selfish and self-centered. You would look at us and you would offer forgiveness through your Son. Lord, we praise you that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. As we're gathered this morning, may we be faithful to worship you. As we study your word right now, help me to teach what is right and true. And may your word be taken to our hearts that we would be amazed by your grace in Jesus Christ, that we would be amazed by what Jesus Christ accomplished for us, and because of all that he has done, all that he has accomplished, that we would seek to live for him, that we would seek to live for you. Christ, we praise you that you were willing to come to earth for us, that you would live among your own creation in the midst of sinners, and that you would love us anyway. We pray that the Spirit would move among us today in unity, in worship, in understanding truth. You know, we can do none of these things faithfully without the Spirit working in us. And so we pray that you would be present today. In Jesus' name, amen. overarching theme of these verses that we see today is that we are raised with Christ to live for Christ. We are raised with Christ to live for Christ. You'll notice the section begins with if, then, or, or therefore. Paul is connecting back to what he's already written. Uh, the first section of Colossians contains glorious truths of Christ. The second section challenges his readers, if they have received Christ, to walk in him by faith, to hold fast to him by faith, not by works, 
And then in the rest of the letter, beginning with today's section, Paul is going to challenge his readers in very practical ways to live for Christ. What I want us to do is look back to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, please turn there, if, if it is a turn. Uh, we're going to review what Paul has written so far so that we can see how Paul is making his argument. Uh, Paul's entire argument depends on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to who we are and therefore central to how we live on this earth for Christ. You can look at the verses as I summarize them. In Colossians 1, beginning in verse 3, Paul thanks God for the Colossians' faith in Christ Jesus and their love for his people. In verse 9, Paul prays that they will grow in their knowledge and understanding of Christ, so that they will live in a manner that is pleasing to God. See, in verse 13, Paul reminds these Christians God has transferred them out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved Son who redeems and forgives us of our sin. So our nature is that we are born in darkness and sin. Everyone is opposed to God, but Jesus rescues and restores all who believe in him. And then in verse 15, Paul reminds them of who Christ is as Lord of all, preeminent in all things, creator, redeemer, reconciler, restorer. In verse 21, Paul follows this up by reminding the Colossians specifically of what Jesus Christ has done for them. You were alienated to God, hostile towards God. You were doing evil. But Jesus reconciled you to God by his death on the cross. In verse 24 through the beginning of chapter 2, Paul is suffering and struggling for the sake of the church. He wants the people to know the mystery of Christ. It was hidden in the past, but now it is revealed to God's people. The mystery is Jesus Christ. The Jewish Messiah redeeming not only Jews, but Gentiles as well. Christ's unique connection to his people is our representative. Christ in his people. In chapter 2, verse 6, Paul begins applying these truths. Therefore, he says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you have received Jesus, live for him. Look at verses 8 through 15 of chapter 2. Don't let anyone take you captive by human philosophy, tradition that opposes Christ. Verse 9, in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus Christ is fully God in every way. Verse 11 expresses that we died with Christ, the body of flesh cut off like circumcision cuts off. Verse 12, we were buried with Christ in baptism. We were also raised with Christ through faith in the powerful working of God. So by faith, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus are applied to us as his people. God looks on us and sees the life, death, and resurrection of Christ as counting for us. Christ's righteousness is our righteousness. Christ's death is our death. Christ's resurrection is our resurrection. We are raised with Christ. We are raised with Christ through faith. Verse 13, we were dead in sin, but God made us alive. Everyone is born dead in sin. Sin is the realm in which we live and breathe and function and unless the Holy Spirit brings someone to life, everyone remains dead in their sin. We were dead, but by faith in Jesus Christ, we were made alive with Christ. God forgives our sins. Our record of debt is nailed to the cross. 
God's foes are defeated and humiliated. Jesus Christ has accomplished all these things in his life, death, and resurrection. And so in verses 16 through 23 of chapter 2, God's word teaches us not to be judged by man-made rules and regulations. Because Christ has accomplished everything for salvation, there's nothing we could do to add to it. So don't let people judge you based on their own rules and regulations that they make up. And that brings us to our section today, Colossians 3.1. If then you, are raised, you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. We are raised with Christ to live for Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, live for Christ. Verses 5 through 11, uh, put earthly things to death, put sin to death. And then we see various details of what it means to put sin to death. Verses 12 through 17, put on love. Put on the love of Christ. And again, we see various details of how Christians relate to one another in love. Because we are raised with Christ, strip yourself of the earthly, fleshly, sinful choices that you make. And instead, put on the love of Christ. Put on righteousness. We'll look at the specifics of those sections in the coming weeks at Redeemer. Uh, this week, we're focusing on this overarching theme that we see in verses 1 through 4. One through four. We are raised with Christ to live for Christ. Based on Christ, based on all that he has done, all that he will do, live for Christ. Seek the things above, set your minds on things above. So our first key theme, if you are raised with Christ, live for Christ. If you are raised with Christ, live for Christ. Verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Christ is risen, and all God's people are raised with him. Therefore, if you are raised with Christ, seek the things of Christ. We've already seen this, this phrase, if you are raised with Christ, is pointing back to what Paul has already said. Paul expects his readers to examine their hearts. If they believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then this is true of them. Absolutely everyone who is trusted in Christ, Paul expects there to be no doubt here. By faith, we have lived with Christ, died with Christ, been raised with Christ. And so for all Christians, Paul is expecting them to look at this, to read this, or to hear this, and to understand this is a certainty. I am raised with Christ, and since I am raised with Christ, I'm going to seek the things of Christ. This is a new covenant reality. God's people are raised with Christ. Now consider this. Our resurrection is a future event in the sense that you can't be resurrected until you die. Right? You can't rise from the dead unless you're dead first. But our resurrection is so certain that Paul can speak here of our resurrection as a completed fact, as a present reality. You have been raised with Christ. All God's people have been raised with Christ. Now, on the other hand, Paul expects that there are others who are going to examine their hearts and realize they are not raised with Christ. I don't believe in Jesus as my Savior. I don't submit to him as Lord and King. I don't really trust in him. And anyone who comes to that conclusion that Jesus Christ is not my Savior you need to understand Paul is not speaking here to you. This reality is not yours. You have not died with Christ. 
You have not been raised with Christ. You do not have the righteousness of Christ. And according to all of God's word, that means you are still in your sin. And if that is you, there's something important you need to understand about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ ensures eternal life for everyone who believes in him. But his resurrection also points us to the reality that everyone who has a soul, every person, will live in one way or another for eternity. Christians believe, because God's word teaches us, that all people die and all people will rise again, some to eternal life and others to eternal death. Those who are in Christ Jesus rise to eternal life. Everyone else rises to eternal death. Those who believe in Jesus Christ spend eternity with him. Those who reject Jesus Christ spend eternity separated from him, separated from everything that is good. If you die in your sin, you will spend eternity in hell, a place of weeping, of gnashing of teeth, separated from God. But even today... You can repent. You can turn from your sin. You can set your faith in Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection will be applied to you. If you would spend eternity with Jesus Christ, you must be born again. You must be born again by faith. As the old saying goes, born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. This question of whether you're raised with Christ has nothing to do with something external about you. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you're black or white, whether you're Asian or Latino. The only question is, are you united to Christ by faith? Because all those secondary distinctions are in fact secondary to who we are and what we are in Christ. Jesus is risen. Therefore... If by faith you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus' resurrection is his vindication that he is all that he claimed to be. Son of God, son of man, shepherd of the sheep, savior of the world, sovereign Lord of the universe, judge of the living and the dead. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, victorious over sin and death, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father in the position of all power and authority, all glory and honor. For us as a church, we especially celebrate the resurrection of Christ on Resurrection Sunday, but we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every week and every day. We do not worship the dead, but the living Christ. We worship Christ not only because he died for us, but also because he rose from the dead and delivered the death blow to all his enemies. And so for us, if we have been raised with Christ, and all God's people have been raised with Christ by faith, since we have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. And the key thing about above is that above is where Christ is. Heaven is often referred to as up in Scripture. Hell is down. The key here is not to be looking up to the sky, but to be looking up to Christ. Seek the things where Christ is. Christ is God from eternity. He has always been God. 
And yet scripture speaks very clearly and consistently of him taking a position of power and authority through his death and resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus, his ascension to the right hand of God, speaks to his power, to his authority, to his rule over his kingdom. So to, to seek the things above is to seek the things of Christ. Pursue those things that are fitting for the kingdom of Christ. Seek the things that bring glory and honor to Christ. Set aside anything that would bring shame to Christ. If you are raised with Christ, live for Christ. Seeking the things above doesn't mean that we spend all our time thinking about golden streets and sparkly seas. It doesn't mean we just blissfully think about heaven while ignoring the realities of earth. You may have heard the expression that someone is so heavenly minded they do no earthly good. I don't know, maybe you haven't heard that. This is probably an older expression. Anyway, that isn't what Paul's encouraging here. Paul is calling for Christians to reorient our understanding such that everything we seek is pursued in relation to Christ. This is not a call to abandon the world, but to interpret the world in light of Christ and his kingdom. This is a call to orient our entire lives, our thinking, our willing, our acting around God's eternal plan of redemption. This doesn't mean you only spend time sharing Christ, although it certainly means you do spend time sharing Christ. This means everything you do, you seek to please Christ you seek to, to bring glory to Christ. Seek the things above where Christ is. We seek a lot of things in this life, don't we? The things we seek have to do with our own backgrounds, our own interests, our own desires. Uh, perhaps we seek some political goals that we would like to see accomplished. Or maybe you're, you seek for your children to know your heritage. This is where we came from. Perhaps you have some financial goals that you're seeking for your family. Or maybe you seek safety or adventure. Or maybe you would just like a little bit of peace and quiet. We all have our own things we seek based on who we are as individuals. And all those things may be valid to seek in their own way, but central to who we are as Christians, more important than any of those other things that we may seek, God's people seek the things of Christ. God's people seek the things above. All those other things may be good and valuable, but they're only important and relevant to the extent that they are rightly related to Christ. Consider your job. Would you say that you're seeking Christ's kingdom at work? Do your business relationships reflect that you're seeking the things of Christ? Maybe there's a coworker that you're trying to share the gospel with. Maybe you're seeking to demonstrate to some young employee what it means to work to please God and not men. Or the evangelistic Bible study that you lead at work. Maybe you've set boundaries at work to make it clear to them, I will not sacrifice my family for this job. Seek the things of Christ in your work. Are you seeking the things of Christ in your marriage? Is your relationship one defined by service to your husband or wife? Are you quick to show your spouse the love of Christ, quick to confess your own sin, quick to forgive? Consider your hobbies. Do they make sense 
in terms of things above. Consider the time involved. Consider the expense. Consider how you might otherwise invest that time and money. Do your hobbies make sense in light of seeking the things of Christ? And you may assume I'm condemning hobbies. In fact, I'm not. I'm telling you you should ask yourself the question of whether it fits with seeking the things above. And if the answer is yes, then go and enjoy the good gifts of God. Build the deck. Plant the flower. Drive the golf ball down the fairway. Color the lettering. Watch the game. Do the thing. And if the answer is no, then figure out how to use those resources in a way that seeks the things of Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord, and God's people acknowledge him as Lord. And God calls us to center our lives around the lordship of Jesus Christ, acknowledging his rule over us. Now, if you're not a Christian, I wonder if you've ever considered that you have a responsibility to submit to Jesus Christ, that he is the king of kings and Lord of lords, and everyone has to bow down before him, to acknowledge him as Lord. Have you ever considered your life is oriented entirely incorrectly? Your life is centered around you, what you need, what you want, the things you care about. And all that is exactly the opposite of what God commands. Our lives have to be reoriented to Christ himself. God calls us to repent, to turn away from false belief, from all of our rejection of Jesus as Lord, and to believe that Jesus Christ died and rose for sinners. And if you've never repented of your sin, you've never acknowledged Jesus as Lord, you've never trusted in him, even today you can repent. You can turn from your sin, you can trust in Jesus Christ. May Easter 2017 be the day that you say Jesus is risen from the dead and I believe in him as Savior and Lord. He is my Lord. As a church, as people who are raised with Christ, are we (coughs) seeking the things of Christ? I hope you can see our service is designed to point us to Christ. From the call to worship, to the songs that we sing, to the scripture reading, to the affirmation, it's all centered around the worship of Christ. But that's relatively easy to do with a few hours of planning. What about our church in daily life? When you call up your sister in Christ to encourage her, that is seeking the things above. When you lovingly confront your brother in sin, that is seeking the things above. When you fellowship with one another and you rejoice in God's goodness, that is seeking the things above. When you sit down with your family to a meal and you thank God for his blessings, that is seeking the things above. And when you sit down and enjoy rest as a gift from God, that is seeking the things above. If you are raised with Christ, live for Christ. Second key theme, set your mind on things of Christ because your life is hidden with Christ. Set your mind on things of Christ, because your life is hidden with Christ. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now you'll notice this command is essentially a restatement of the first theme. 
First command, seek the things above. Here, set your minds on things above. As before, this isn't looking at the ceiling and the trees and the sky. This is about, isn't about thinking only about heaven and what it will be like. No, set your mind on Christ and his kingdom. Set your mind on the things of Christ. By nature, our minds are set on things of earth, the realities of the world around us, our needs, our wants, our passions. These are the things that we care about. These are the desires that consume us. And the only thing that would ever change that about us is if the Spirit of God moves in our hearts to help us see Jesus Christ, to give us understanding of the world around us through God's eyes. Just as Jesus rose from the dead to new life, you can be given new life in Jesus Christ. And if your life is in Christ, then you will want the things that Christ wants. You will desire the things that Christ desires. You will set your minds on the things of Christ. You know, one way we can see where we have set our minds is what we do with our money. If you go look at all your expenses for the past month, how much was spent on things that have no eternal value? How much was spent on things that will never accomplish anything for Christ? Where we invest our money says something about where our minds are set. If our minds are on things above, then we will invest towards things above. And if our minds are set on things of earth, then we will invest towards the things of earth. And if we just invest all our money into earthly things, there's nothing left to invest in eternal things. And so we tend to spend most of our wealth on ourselves and then give God whatever is left over. You know, if everyone in this church had a passion for things above with their finances, our budget would probably double, maybe triple. You know, if we had someone in our church today who felt called to the mission field, uh, we couldn't send them today with our budget. If we had someone who felt called to start another church in San Antonio, we couldn't fund them today. But if all of us have our minds set not on earthly things, but on the things of Christ, I'm confident we could invest in anything God called us to do. So examine your mind as it regards to money. Parents, are you seeking the things of Christ in your goals for your children? As Americans, we often make the American dream our goal for our children. Good job, happy marriage, nice house, 2.2 kids, dog, maybe a cat. <laughs> Are these the kinds of goals that demonstrate a focus on things above or on things of earth? And when your children see how you live your life, where, where do they see that your focus is set? Do they see a life consumed by things of earth or a life consumed by the things of Christ? So... You might say, oh, well, this passage is just saying we have to go live in the wilderness by ourselves, ignore the world. That's actually called asceticism. Paul condemned that in the passage we saw last week, the verses right before this section. God has made you who you are. He has put you where you are. He's brought everything into your life that is in your life for eternal purposes. So that you will grow into the image of Christ, that you'll impact other people for Christ. The goal is not for you to ignore the earth, but to interpret everything in this earth in light of Jesus Christ. And so, if your situation right now is so overwhelming, 
that you can barely stand it. You have to look past your situation and look to Christ and interpret your situation in light of Christ. And if your situation in life is relatively simple right now, you have to look to Christ and interpret your situation in light of Christ. We don't leave the world physically, mentally, or in any other way in order to set our minds on things above. We live in the world, and we focus on Christ, and we interpret our world in light of Christ. You know, we have to examine where is our mind as, as regards our whole church. Is our goal to build our own little kingdom, or do we want to contribute to the kingdom of Christ? Or do we think we'll be more of a church if we find a building that's our own? What do we want to be known for? We want to be known for Christ. We want to be known for the gospel. Our goal is not to be this big mega church, but to be a faithful church that makes disciples and makes much of Jesus Christ. And if we do that, and if we grow, then maybe one day we will plant other churches that do the same thing. And if we do that, and we don't grow, then we will just seek to be a faithful church that makes much of Jesus and makes disciples. Notice verse 3. We set our minds on the things of Christ, verse 3, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We died with Christ. And this highlights why a rules-based system of righteousness will never work. Our problem of sin is so devastating that our sin nature had to be put to death. A new set of rules won't cut it. A new set of rules doesn't change our heart. If you were with us last week, we saw that there were some people who were judging, who were disqualifying the Colossians based on a set of rules that they made based largely on earthly things. If you follow these rules, then you'll be right with God. But God's word is teaching us that our focus cannot be on earthly things, but on Christ. And this is why we have died, and our life is hidden with Christ in God. Our sinful nature had to die for us to have any chance of righteousness. And that death could only happen because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. We are united to Christ in his death and resurrection. And there's nothing on this earth that could possibly add to that in any way. There's nothing on this earth that could make us in any way more connected to Christ. There's nothing that could increase our security. Because there is nothing that could make us in any way closer to Christ than what he has accomplished in his death and resurrection. We have died with Christ, and we are raised with Christ. We don't need anything else besides Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Nothing can separate you from Christ. Where could you possibly be safer than to be hidden with Christ in God? Christian, do you ever fear what will happen to you? This world is not a safe place. Will I lose my faith? Will I lose my place? Will I be dragged down, crushed, destroyed by all the evil? Whatever may happen to you in this world, your life is safe in Christ. Your eternity is safe in Christ. Because your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
So set your mind on things of Christ because your life is hidden with Christ. Third key theme, when Christ is revealed, you will be revealed. When Christ is revealed, you will be revealed. Verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Do you ever look at your life and think, I should be doing better spiritually than I am doing right now? I should be sinning less. I should be sharing the gospel more. I should be loving Jesus Christ more. I should be discipling other people more. I should have become more like Jesus already. I don't know many Christians who think they've arrived. And if you do think you've arrived, that's actually probably a problem. There are people telling the Colossians they can grow more if they'll follow this set of rules. If you follow the law, you'll grow spiritually. If you live an ascetic lifestyle and have these visions, you'll be more spiritually in tune. If you want to be like Jesus, then don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Just follow the rules and you can experience true spiritual life. But Paul rejects anything that offers life apart from Christ. The reason that you're not perfected yet is not because you're failing to follow a set of man-made rules. You aren't perfect yet because your resurrected life hasn't been fully revealed yet. But it will be revealed. A day is coming, if you're a Christian, when you will be absolutely perfect and complete. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will be revealed. Then you will appear with him in glory. And that is a day for us to look forward to. One day, our body of sinful flesh will be transformed into a perfected body. A body that will no longer experience sickness, sorrow, pain, death. A body that no longer longs for sin. But until then, because we are raised with Christ, we live for Christ. Well, some of you say, well, I don't see then the point of striving to become like Christ if I can't even attain it until the resurrection. Why bother? Why even try? But this is completely backwards. We seek to live for Christ precisely because we are raised with him. The certainty of our resurrection, the certainty of eternity as perfected servants of Christ compels us to live for him today. Just listen. Actually, you can turn there. Philippians is just a book over. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. It's right before Colossians, a few pages to the left. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to, lie, to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We strive to become more like Jesus Christ because he is everything that we are called to be. He is the perfect image bearer of God. Jesus Christ is the one who perfectly fulfilled God's law. Jesus is the better Adam. He is the perfect representation of the image of God. And so we look to Jesus Christ as our only hope. His resurrection, excuse me, his death reconciled us to God. His resurrection from the dead guarantees our own resurrection to eternal life. 
Consider what the Apostle John said in his first letter. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. We're not perfected yet, but when Jesus appears, we will be like him. John continues, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who hopes in the return of Christ purifies himself, puts off sin, puts on righteousness because Jesus is pure. Not in the hope of making ourselves righteous, but because Jesus has guaranteed our righteousness. Because Jesus has earned our righteousness. Maybe you come in today feeling defeated. Maybe your life is stale. Maybe you're losing the battle with sin and temptation. When you struggle and fail, look to Jesus Christ. You cannot achieve your own righteousness. Jesus Christ is your righteousness. For everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ, his life of perfect righteousness is granted to you. Jesus Christ died on the cross for sinners. But on the third day, he rose again. And Jesus is the representative of everyone who is united to him by faith. His righteousness is our righteousness. His death is our death. His life is our life. His resurrection is our resurrection. If you have been raised with Christ, then live for him. Seek the things above. Set your minds on the things above. And when Christ is revealed, you too will be revealed. We live for Jesus Christ because he is risen. Jesus is risen. He is risen in me. Let's pray. God our Father, you are so gracious and merciful. From eternity, you looked down in love on your people. You sent your Son for us. Jesus, we praise you that you would live and die for us. And we praise you that you are God over all, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, that you defeated death, you conquered death. And one day, we look forward to the day when you will destroy death for all time. In Christ, we can say, O oh, death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? There is life and joy and goodness for all God's people. May we live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.